coming at you with a whole nother exciting week of the Y'all Show. We're glad that you could join us as we kick off things here on this Monday edition. Boy, oh boy, do we have more fun stuff coming up on the Y'all Show this week. We're so glad you could tune in and come along for the ride. We're going to get things going today with two very special guests. We have the author of the brand new book, The Hidden Nazi. Author Dean Reuter will be checking in from Northern Virginia. If you like World War II, his book is perfect for you, as it is about Hans Kammler, the awful Nazi SS commander who is responsible for the Zyklon B gas used in the concentration camps that killed millions and millions of innocent Jews and other uh, less desirables, as the Nazis would have called them. And we're going to learn more about Kamler and what happened in those final days of World War II with this SS commander who knew a lot about the V-2 space program, the missile program going on with Hitler and all that there in the closing days of World War II. Speaking of that, of course, on Friday of last week, it was the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II in Europe, VE Day, as we remember our great heroes, not very many left from World War II, sadly. But as a special salute to World War II and the greatest generation, we're going to go again later this hour and hear from Dean Reuter, author of the brand new book, The Hidden Nazi. That's coming up here in this hour. Plus, we've got a Southern business report headed your way in the next segment. We have headlines from across the Southland that we're going to get to in just a moment. When we go to our weekend sports recap, we have some golf-related news to pass along at the start of Hour 2. And then the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to be cutting back on some of the pay as they're the latest power five program that's tightening the belt here because of the coronavirus we'll share that information as we start hour two then we'll switch over to our takapola storyteller jerry short's going to be on and we're going to talk about the killer jerry lee lewis we're also going to be talking about his wife sonia it looks like she's about to arrive here after two months away in the philippines locked down by the way by the leader of that country his wife is finally out of the Philippines after a, a, a you talk about being bad here in this country. It's been even worse in the Philippines and probably a lot of other countries, frankly, with the way they've handled the coronavirus. And they've had less deaths, I think, in the entire country of the Philippines than even the state of Mississippi in terms of coronavirus deaths. But their leader there in that country really cracked down and would not let anybody leave the country for over two months. And his wife is about to get back here to the U.S. after two months of being locked down in that country. We'll talk to Jerry about that. And the reason we're going to talk to Jerry about Jerry Lee Lewis. Sadly, Jerry Lee, the killer, is the last living rock and roll legend of the 1950s. Because this past weekend, we lost Little Richard. The Georgia native died. And we're going to talk about that loss in just a second. It's the lead story in our headlines from across the Southland. I'm John Rawl. We are so glad that you could join us here on the show that is all about the South. If you want to join us today, we welcome your feedback. Our number is 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. It's the ultimate guide to the South. Log on there right now for incredible stories about the region. We've got some great stuff. If you didn't check it out on Mother's Day, we, and by the way, a very special happy Mother's Day to all of you listening. In case you didn't hear our greeting, if we I, honestly, I don't even know if we said happy Mother's Day last week. Isn't that a terrible thing for a son to admit? Happy Mother's Day. Please forgive me. 
to all you mamas out there we love our mamas because you know as shenandoah sang about once uh, mama knows mama knows everything you do so happy mother's day 2020 and yes to all the mothers i hope you had a great day we had a great couple of stories posted at y'all.com over the weekend go there and check it out heartwarming stories coming to us from a lot of great writers across the southeast you're going to enjoy reading that and it's all free of charge at y'all.com the ultimate guide to the south linked of course on our facebook page which is y'all.com on facebook now on that website we continuously put up the brand new episodes of the y'all show our video interviews are posted at y'all.com and on our facebook page y'all.com on facebook and we want to go ahead and give you a heads up that this week coming up on thursday it will be stop number three of our virtual tour of dixie and this time we're not leaving the borders of the great state of alabama last week we did a virtual tour of auburn and opelika this time this week on thursday we're going to scoot on up to the northern end of alabama and north alabama will be clearly focused in on on thursday as we're going to do a great feature on the alabama mountain lakes tourism association and we're going to be joined by a member of that office there in decatur alabama malia hames she's coming on to give us the breakdown of this roughly 14 county area stretching from the state of mississippi to georgia touching the tennessee line all that is part of our alabama mountain lakes showcase on our thursday y'all show in addition to the tourism bureau coming on we're going to be having a great guest and we'll go to scottsboro there in jackson county in the northeast corner of alabama brenda cantrell is the brand ambassador for unclaimed baggage and they've got a big anniversary going on there in scottsboro right now at unclaimed baggage truly a place unlike any other in the southeast and she's going to come on and tell you how you can come to scottsboro and get you a good deal at unclaimed baggage brenda cantrell will be on on thursday's y'all show from scottsboro then we'll go to the shoals and judy hood will be coming on she's with the gun runner boutique hotel she's also with the muscle soul shoals sound studio there in the shoals of alabama muscle shoals florence sheffield and tuscumbia the quad cities and she also is the wife of swamper bassist david hood so she's got a lot of connections to the music industry there and muscle shoals and judy hood of this incredible place right there on tennessee street in downtown florence the gun runner the gun runner boutique hotel she's going to be on you'll learn more about this incredible hotel also another great guest we're going to go from florence we'll go i guess technically upstream from florence to decatur right on the tennessee river and there you'll find big bob gibson's barbecue legendary white sauce barbecue restaurant there and chris Lilly is the chief pit master and co-owner of big bob gibson's and he'll be on with us as we give a little food taste to north alabama and chris Lilly of big bob gibson's barbecue he'll be on with us on thursday all that and our virtual tour stop of the north alabama area of the great state what we call the alabama mountain lakes and we'll have all those guests you don't want to miss out if you've been wanting to go to somewhere as soon as this pandemic ends check out the alabama mountain lakes area so it'll be our third stop of our spring swing tour of the southeast and we're excited to bring that to you on thursday it'll be right here on the y'all show it'll be on y'all.com on all of our social media outlets and we're just we're just thrilled and we're going to be 
moving on from Alabama after this week to another great southern state, and we'll announce that maybe on Thursday here on the show that's all about the the South. Let's get into headlines now, and let's start out with a good Georgia boy that we lost over the weekend at 87. Little Richard, the flamboyant rock and roll pioneer, died in the Nashville area. He'd been living in Nashville for many, many years, and he died Saturday after battling bone cancer, died at the age of 87 again little richard who stormed on the scene back in the 1950s born richard wayne penniman in macon georgia on december 5th 1932 and remember he was very active in the 50s he actually got to start as early as the 1940s after he got a little chance to do some recording there and went on from macon to be a huge huge Really, before Elvis, frankly, did Little Richard got the initial success nationwide with songs like Good Golly, Miss Molly. That was out on the specialty imprint. And then, yes, so many great Little Richard songs through the years. And I, I think his music was one thing, but when you combine that with his his enthusiasm, his hair, his eccentric ways, sure enough, he was a huge, huge force in music and one of the true early pioneers of rock and roll as this georgia native went on to sell more than 30 million records worldwide and his influence was so big from the beatles they credit little richard as an influence to otis redding ccr david Bowie, and more yes it was so so big little richard in the 1950s tutti frutti was out in 1956 and it was a huge hit on the top 40 chart and more then, of course, he had other great songs, Lucille, Keep a Knockin', Long Tall Sally, Good Golly, Miss Molly, and so many more. Little Richard dying over the weekend, as we said, in Nashville, where he had been living for a number of years and dying of cancer here over the weekend. Our thoughts to the family there. He was not the only Southerner and singer that passed away over the weekend. Soul singer Betty Wright died at the age of 66. She was a native of Miami and she had the 1971 soul disco classic, Clean Up Woman. And then she ended up winning a Grammy Award and more. She was kind of the one of the main figures out of that Miami funk sound of the 1970s and ended up being a pretty big player on the Billboard R&B chart as a lead singer, duet partner, and a background vocalist. She had 20 different singles in the R&B Top 40. And she was on the chart even as late as 2007, she was on there with a the song baby a duet with contemporary soul singer angie stone she was born in 1953 got her start performing with the family's gospel group the echoes of joy there in miami and then went on to be again a pretty darn big singer in the soul world with songs like clean up woman which came out in 1971 that song reached number six on the billboard hot 100 chart sold more than a million copies and came in as the number 49 song overall of the year 1972 she also had the r&b classics let me be your love maker shura shura and tonight is the night again a leader in the soul singing area betty wright not betty white betty wright dying at the age of 66 the south florida native and speaking of little richard who we also lost over the weekend we're going to have more on his passage when jerry short our takapola storyteller drops by in hour number two and we'll discuss the loss of little richard oh lord and also 
what his death means to those who are music fans. We only have one true 1950s rock icon left, sadly. And we'll get some feedback from Jerry about that. All that's coming up again in hour number two of today's y'all show moving on with more headlines moving away from music in fact if you've cut on the news here the last couple of days there's been a lot of stories coming out of the southeast that had nothing to do with the coronavirus it had to do with the murder it looks like of ahmaud arbery in brunswick georgia i'm sure you've seen the video by now arbery shot and killed back on february 23rd when he was evidently jogging near brunswick georgia and now there's a social movement to justify his to, to, to go after the people who've killed him you have a father and son the father a former police officer and his son now charged with murder in the state of georgia and now the attorney general of georgia is requesting a federal probe in the handling of the arbory case if you know anything about how this thing happened it took almost two months for anyone to actually be charged in this case and now the attorney general of the state of georgia is now seeking help as there's going to be some kind of prosecution against 64-year-old Gregory McMichael and his son, 34-year-old Travis McMichael, arrested and charged with murder and aggravated assault. Those arrests coming after officials asked the GBI to start investigating. The inquiry was previously in the hands of local officials there in the southeast portion of the state of Georgia. And many, many people I'm sure you've seen are now coming out with statements and people are rallying because of this man's death. It looks like the it seems senseless killing of Arbery back in February. And really, this thing didn't pick up any kind of steam until this video. There was some his mother had been recently interviewed, but there was a video released the other day. In fact, I've got an update on that. If you've seen this video that has been leaked to the media, oddly enough, it looks like these two, the, the father and son, their own attorney is the one that leaked this shooting video to the press. And the lawyer now, he, he says he did this to stop a riot. Not exactly sure how that is going to stop a riot. But sure enough, this attorney for the McMichaels said that, yes, because of the outrage that led to the arrest last week, that he did this because it was going to lead to an ultimately a a riot there in brunswick attorney alan tucker he told inside edition last week that he was the one who released the video believing that it would help the mcmichaels he said i really thought the video would put the truth out to the public i was trying to stop a riot when asked to elaborate the attorney said well you saw what happened to baltimore you've seen what happened to charleston you saw what happened to ferguson i was trying to stop a riot I'm not sure that this stopped a riot. It looks like it could end up helping to percolate a riot even more. McMichael and his son claim they believe Arbery was a burglar and that the shooting was in self-defense. And I know the video that you might have seen is only a portion of the skirmish that ended up leading to this man's death there. The truth will come out. The truth will certainly come out. It is a little weird that the the father-son combo's own attorney is the one now confessing to leaking this video. And anytime you've got video to go along with a killing, whether senseless or justified, it only amplifies the situation. 
before everybody goes jumping off a cliff heading to brunswick georgia to try to protest this thing let's see what happens here let's see now i think the real crime if there's a crime obviously if if this guy was innocent being murdered is certainly a crime and these guys should be prosecuted but how in the world could two months have gone by and this video not have come out or more a a more succinct investigation into how this guy could have been killed in the broad daylight even if it was justified how in the world could these guys the the father son have been able to escape some kind of really intense investigation when there it was done in broad daylight now again i know we've been dealing with a pandemic i'm not sure if that's an excuse or not over the last almost three months since the death of this man in georgia but more and more evidence will come out and we'll just have to sit back and and watch but now as we are a show all about the south you're seeing a lot more coverage on this one senseless it seems death there in southeast georgia here's another senseless death death coming from the peach state a doctor in georgia found dead in a ditch thursday of last week and authorities believe that the doctor was killed by a pack of wild dogs this is in lyons georgia dr nancy shaw was found early on thursday of last week she practiced internal medicine in vidalia georgia the police chief of lyons georgia wesley walker said an officer was on patrol when he noticed a vehicle parked on the shoulder of the road the car was running and the doors were open the officer checked the area and saw her body and they believed that she was attacked by a pack of wild dogs that had recently been roaming lions and vidalia that portion of south georgia an investigation underway police also searching the area for the dogs but have not found them at least as of the weekend but good lord wild dogs running loose i wonder if dogs everywhere in the south are a little bit more free to roam over these last few weeks as most of us have been trapped indoors I saw a story over the weekend coming, I think, from East Tennessee where a black bear actually went into the home of people while they were in a cabin there. It was a cabin, not a home. And this bear just made himself, uh, he made himself at home while these people were inside. Often they go onto the deck or in the driveway of homes. But uh, yeah, our, our wildlife getting a little out of control. And who can blame them with the way the whole world's kind of been turned upside down over these last two months? In North Carolina, a deputy led an armed group to a black teen's home, according to a lawyer there. And this sheriff's deputy and another man faced criminal charges after leading this armed group to the home of this black teenager. This happened in New Hanover County as Deputy Jordan Kidda arrived May 3rd at the home of Damian Shepard, who is a senior at a Wilmington, North Carolina high school, Laney High School. The teenager was playing video games when he answered a knock at the door and was met by the officer who was flanked by two men holding a shotgun and a semi-automatic assault rifle. A group of about 15 people, all white, were behind them, said his lawyer, James W. Lee, who is preparing a civil lawsuit. The group tried unsuccessfully to force its way into the home of the young black teen they were reportedly looking for a 15 year old who had gone missing earlier that day she was later found alive the group was searching for someone named josiah a student from a different school who had ties to the girl and used to live next door to the shepherds the shepherds are one of only two black families living in the predominantly white neighborhood and again this armed group showing up there at this teenager's home in north carolina i don't think anything came of it no one got hurt but yes, it gives a lawyer an uh, opportunity to go after 
a sheriff's deputy and others here after this you could call mob ended up knocking on the door of this black teen's home there in wilmington north carolina here recently continuing on with our headlines across the south this is another racial related story here to oklahoma city we go and oklahoma city university like a lot of colleges here in the last few days held a graduation ceremony virtually but that ceremony there at ocu had to be cut short when someone posted a racial slur and a swastika during this virtual graduation on saturday someone held the online streaming service zoom hostage it looks like and nearing the end of the ceremony with the names of graduates scrolling across the screen a racist image there appeared on the screen and ruined the whole day and this was again using zoom zoom in the news a lot for having people hack into it in this case the ceremony there at oklahoma city university ruined by some knucklehead somewhere we don't even know where this could have possibly come from more higher education news it's not often someone leaves san antonio at least a mayor of san antonio to become the head of a college in holly springs mississippi but that is exactly what is happening to ivy taylor the former mayor of san antonio texas is now going to become the head of russ college the historically black college in holly springs and now she'll be the new head of this historic black college and university just to the north of downtown holly springs she served as the mayor of san antonio for three years and was a member of the san antonio city council for five years and now she's going to pick up and move to the bright lights of holly springs to be the bearcats new head congratulations to president ivy taylor of russ college now in holly springs where she's going there as opposed to staying around san antonio and lastly here in our headlines across the south this is a feel-good story inmates in south carolina are now sending thousands of handmade cards and gifts to nursing nursing homes in the state of south carolina the corrections department of south carolina said handmade cards jewelry knitted caps and footies as well as stuffed animals bookmarks blankets and other items have been delivered to nursing homes across the state as inmates in the palmetto state the prisoners there have made over 2,000 cards and gifts for people across the state of South Carolina. Nursing homes have been closed to visitors for almost two months because of the coronavirus. Good on the prison officials there in South Carolina for allowing their inmates to do something productive for once and helping out the whole world. I'd say give them all a couple of extra days off their sentence here for doing a good gesture there in South Carolina, having these cards and other gifts sent to the elderly there in nursing homes of the palmetto state good on you there when we come back on the y'all show we've got a couple of business headlines including coronavirus related business stories that's coming up and don't forget later this hour we have the author of the new book hidden nazi coming on dean reuter is going to be stopping by all that right here on the y'all show asthma symptoms can attack anywhere like on a city street Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CBS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. 
Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. Language for life. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. It's Friday night, baby, get ready, set, go. We're back on the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent. We've got a very special guest in the next segment. Author Dean Reuter is going to be on to talk about his brand new book, The Hidden Nazi, as we celebrated VE Day on Friday, the 75th anniversary of the end of the war, World War II, that is, in Europe. This author is going to be on to talk about what happened in the closing days of that conflict, especially around an awful member of the SS, Hans Kammler. The Hidden Nazi, that book will be in our spotlight and our Buy the Book Feature Monday edition. That's coming up in just a few. But right now, we have on the Y'all Show a quick Southern business report. And first off, before we get into what's going on here in the South, I don't know if you saw on Sunday, it was announced that South Korea is now warning of a second wave of a coronavirus outbreak as global cases of the current outbreak have crossed over 4 million people now have come down with this and hundreds of thousands of people have died including over 70,000 people here in the United States by the way our country right now with right at 1.3 million positive cases far ahead of any other country in the world but now it looks like over the weekend South Korea discovered a new cluster forming of the coronavirus at nightclubs and South Korea officials ended up shutting down all nightclubs, bars, and discos in Seoul over the weekend. That's not the kind of news we want to hear on today's Y'all Show. What is opening right now in the South in terms of what the governors of each of our southern states have come out with, I'll scan through a handful of our southern states. Starting today in Alabama, non-work gatherings of any size are going to be allowed as long as people maintain six feet of distancing also, you'll have gyms, athletic facilities, barbershops, nail salons, and more are going to be open, again, with certain rules in place. Restaurants, bars, and breweries may allow on-property consumption of food and drink with certain rules. That's in Alabama. What about in the state of Florida? Florida has reopened businesses through much of the state as of May 4th, and restaurants may offer outdoor seating with six-foot space between tables and indoor seating at 25% capacity. That's in 
Florida. As we know, starting on April 24th, Brian Kemp of Georgia allowed certain things to open, and gyms, fitness centers, bowling alleys, and more have been opened up. And it looks like for the, for the numbers that I'm seeing, Georgia's doing a good job thus far of what's going on in terms of the numbers of the coronavirus. Now, the governor of Kentucky, Governor Bashir, has issued a healthy at home order. Starting today, sectors may reopen. Those include manufacturing, construction, also professional services at 50% capacity. On May 20th, retail and houses of worship will be allowed to open in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. What about in the state of Mississippi? Mississippi's statewide stay-at-home order scheduled to end today as they've been closely monitoring the outbreak. Now, Tate Reeves has signed a new safer-at-home order that's going to go into effect, but it looks like Mississippi, uh, a lot of things are opening back up, including barbershops, but casinos are going to remain closed as of right now, and I know a lot of people are hoping to see those open sooner than later. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper has extended a safe uh, stay-at-home order, and North Carolina ended up going to have a phase one that will be opening up where business was, to, to some level, will be able to open back up. South Carolina, Governor McMaster has allowed a worker home order to expire May 12th. That's on Tuesday, and it'll allow people to go have some kind of dining experience in the Palmetto State. His state of emergency executive order has been extended until Tuesday. In the state of Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee has issued a new executive order to replace his previous stay-at-home order. This new order will expire May 30th. Restaurants, retail outlets, and gyms have been allowed to reopen in most counties in the state. I know shopping malls in Tennessee opened up over the weekend. And in Virginia, the governor there, Ralph Northam, has issued a stay-at-home order effective until June 10th. Now, a separate executive order, it's restricted certain businesses and crowds of more than 10 people. That's going to expire over this coming weekend. Elective surgery and dental procedures in the Commonwealth will be allowed to resume as of now. That's just a quick glance at some of the business going on in our southern states because of the pandemic. And we'll tell you after the break about how one southern city is getting ready to get its business kicked back up to some degree all thanks to the pga tour we'll have that information as we look back at a weekend in sports and some headlines including some transfers in the sec football ranks all that plus don't forget our taco polo storyteller jerry short will be on in hour two this is the y'all show asthma symptoms can attack anywhere like on a city street Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CBS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it would be too difficult? Then try Babbel. Babbel starts by teaching you words and phrases that gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations. So in 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking a new language in a few weeks. Babbel is built around real life. It teaches you practical conversations that you will actually use. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Do you have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keeps coming back? 
Take the five-question gut check to see if it could be more than occasional constipation. It could be irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medication that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess is not a laxative. It works differently. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor about whether Linzess is right for you. Go to Linzess.com to take the five-question gut check. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Save a chair and sit down and get you Gonna hear some news of the military nature Relax while I give you the latest report Sport There never was a finer sight When all our boys were fixed to fight On D-Day, 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 D-Day We hope they'll soon be coming back For now they're on a solid track Since It's the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent I'm John Rawl and we're glad that you could join us back here For this beginning of the week edition of the show That's all about the South And in the last few days, especially if you're like me and prone to like history, there's been a very, very important day on the calendar. And it was on May 8th, Friday. And that was the day that the world remembered the end of the war in Europe. It was the 55th anniversary of VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. As It was on that day. And France... World War II ended with the signature of the German Field Marshal and then a more, uh, maybe not so anticlimactic ceremony also happened in Berlin within 24 hours with the Russians able to be there for that particular event. But it was a big day, the 55th anniversary of the war coming to an end in Europe. And then a couple months later, the war in Japan came to an end. It was a crazy time in the world at that time. Luckily, we still have some of our great World War II veterans with us. And a new book is out called The Hidden Nazi. And Dean Reuter is going to be coming on right now to talk about his book. He is an attorney. He lives in Northern Virginia. And it's a fascinating read about a fascinating time in our world history. Dean, welcome into the Y'all Show to talk about The Hidden Nazi. It's great to be with you, John. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on the Y'all Show. And before we get into your book, again, as I said, you're an attorney. In fact, let me give you a little bit of your curriculum vitae, if you don't mind, as you are a fellow with the National Security Institute at the George Mason University Antonin Scalia Law School. That's not a that that that's a big feat right there. Then you're also the general counsel of the Federalist Society for Law. So it sounds like you know a little bit about the law. I do. I'm a lawyer by training, sort of a historian as a hobby, uh, but a, a real passion for World War II. So. Well, that is fantastic. When did you get your passion for WW2? 
I, you know, it's funny, the hidden Aussie, I wrote that book in the first person. So I give a bit of my own background, but uh, my heritage is German. Uh, my, my, I happen to have been born in Germany myself, but that's because my father was a U.S. Army officer and he was stationed there. So my family's been here for 150 years, but uh, I have this fascination with how uh, such a highly cultured, uh, highly established leading uh, society like the, the Germans in the 1930s uh, could go off the rails so quickly and not just the war but the holocaust as well right where were you born in germany heidelberg on a military base oh yeah i've been to heidelberg great little place there and baden-württemberg is the state of germany it's amazing right around let's see right around heidelberg i know of at least one place called bad kreuznach which is also a home of a u.s army post and that particular installation at least when i was there in the 90s visiting it was a training ground for the Nazis during World War II. And when the war ended, our U.S. personnel went into these same barracks and set up shop. This was, I think, the headquarters of one of our cavalry divisions. And it was so amazing. You could get about two miles outside of town and look back at what was then the U.S. Army's headquarters. And on the roofs of the uh, the installation had the German Nazi-looking writing on top of the roof. It was really kind of creepy. It is. There are still to this day, even not just to the end of the 1990s, but to this day, there are uh, relics. There are marks of the war. There are marks of Nazi Germany, um, not just within Germany, but uh, throughout Europe and the, and the territory they, they, they conquered at the height of their uh, uh, victories in World War II. So uh, you're right. It's 75 years uh, since the, the close of the war, uh, but um, the ripples uh, and certainly the effects of it are still felt today. And there's not a war movie that I try not to miss. It's, it's a fascinating time, and so many of our people just take it for granted. And as I said, Dean, we still thankfully have a handful of World War II veterans with us. And so if you know anybody, if you have a parent or grandparent that's a WW2 veteran that's still with us, please thank them, especially since in the last few days we've celebrated the end of World War II, the 75th anniversary of it coming to an end in Europe. Your book is called The Hidden Nazi. The Untold Story of America's Deal with the Devil, and this is specifically about SS General Hans Kammler, and he was known for his work at Auschwitz, but also what he did with the V-2 missile program. Please give us a little bit more information on General Kammler. Happy to do so, John. He is uh, born in 1901, an architect and an engineer by training, uh, but a Nazi to the core. Uh, we found that he joined the Nazi party before Hitler became chancellor. He joined the SS, the inner circle, the dreaded Schutzstaffel, uh, before Hitler became president of Germany. So he was an ideologue. He was a leader, not just a follower. Um, and his early projects uh, before the war and early on were pretty benign, but uh, they became more and more sophisticated. He became known for his um, ability to do things efficiently. He uh, was the Henry Ford of Germany, I would say, in terms of implementing standard, the use of standard material and standard processes um, and all the efficiencies that those led to in, in these building projects. He also became a master at finding very scarce resources within the Third Reich. Uh, so when Germany came at time to implement the Holocaust, when they made the decision to go forward uh, with a uh, totalitarian, uh, tyrannical attempt to annihilate an entire race, the Jewish population, 
They turned to Hans Kammler. And we see that it was, we've got the paperwork, Hans Kammler signing an order in September uh, before the Vonsay conference that I'm sure you're familiar with. Everybody thinks of the Vonsay conference as the uh, decision to, to begin the, the Holocaust. But uh, four months before that, in September, the year before that, Hans Kammler signs the order identifying Auschwitz as as the major killing camp and a major slave labor camp. Uh, he stands up an architectural office there headed by his people, and he makes weekly, sometimes daily visits to Auschwitz to make sure the camp is doubled and then redoubled and then redoubled again in size so that it ultimately houses a quarter of a million people, some as slaves, some bound for the gas chambers immediately. And after touring the eastern countries to um, do research, uh, it's really chilling research on the best and most efficient killing methods available. Uh, he struck upon Zyklon uh, B, the gas, um, the uh, prussic acid uh, that was used in the gas chambers. And then he built the gas chambers and the ovens at Auschwitz and elsewhere, not just Auschwitz. His, his work was duplicated throughout the Third Reich, uh, these killing camps and the slave labor camps. From there, John, he went on to rule over uh, Germany's slave labor trade. Uh, taking the healthiest of the Jewish population and renting them out to the German government, to German industry. Lots of uh, corporate names that your your listeners would recognize today. Um, and uh, from there, he went on to rule all of Germany's secret weapons, including the rockets that you mentioned. And again, the book is The Hidden Nazi, a fascinating read, especially if you like nonfiction books. The subject of World War II is something many many of us are captivated by and the story you just can read this stuff over and over but what's amazing about dean reuter's book is it really focuses in on a character that was right there the the sort of central part of what we know what was so terrible about the holocaust and here's a guy that wasn't named himmler that wasn't named goebbels wasn't named hitler even and his name is hans kamler and if you don't know about him, this new book helps explain why he was the hidden Nazi. Let's talk about right there at the end of the World War II in May of 1945, Dean. This guy has a questionable ending to his life. What more can you tell us about the demise of Herr Kammler? Well, he does have a questionable ending. According to his driver, he was trapped in Prague, Czechoslovakia, managed to escape Prague to the south, uh, and then stopped at the roadside. Uh, his driver had him stop. Um, and then he walked off into the woods and shot and killed himself. Uh, and that's one of the reasons nobody ever pursued Hans Kammler. Um, but uh, you know, there were questions about his suicide story. Uh, the driver never returned his dog tags, the identity discs, what the Germans used as dog tags, or his sidearm or his paperwork that every soldier carried. That was a requirement of the era. You return those three items to the nearest Red Cross station or the nearest battle station as proof of death. It was never returned. And his body was never found. A post-war search for his grave turned up empty. Um, and... By this time, Kammler was an Obergruppenführer, which is the highest commissioned rank in the SS. He was elite. This is, and he was the equivalent in rank of George Patton. So losing Kammler's body is like losing George Patton uh, in the field of battle. It's just not going to happen. So there were questions from the start, and I don't know why people didn't pursue Kammler, but 
His death was very suspicious. Even so, a German court adjudicated him dead at the request of his wife. And so the Nazi hunters never pursued him and history never pursued him. Uh, and that's one of the things that raised the curiosity of, of myself and my co-authors, uh, this suspicious tale of his death. And we began to piece together the actual facts. Uh, and we prove in The Hidden Nazi that he had something he could deliver to the United States to try and erase his past and uh, save his own life. And I don't want to give your whole book away, but there's a good reason you're writing that part of your book. And that reason is what he did there with the V-2 missile program and how the U.S. was going to be ultimately in an arms race with the Soviet Union. And we saw a lot of SS members end up not only coming to the United States, but they specifically moved to Huntsville, Alabama, there with the Marshall Space Flight Center and helped launch the NASA propulsion industry yeah a lot of your listeners i'm sure are familiar with the name Werner von braun he was the he was the lead rocket scientist if you could only have one guy he's the guy you'd want but we ended up getting several hundred people um in 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 a in what most people think was an accident of history that that the united states just had the good fortune to stumble upon this rocket team of several hundred people but we pieced together in the hidden nazi what we call the Kamler deal and there's six or seven steps but i can i can rip through them pretty quickly sure. um the, the v2 rocket you mentioned a supersonic all-powerful rocket um, that was years ahead of anything any anybody had it ultimately became our moonshot and our icbm and it was a key to us winning the cold war so it was vastly important for us to get a v2 rocket they started uh, being used in battle in uh late 1944 october 1944 uh, complexly launching these, these missiles. So a month later, November 1944, the Americans contract with General Electric to build a V-2 type rocket because it's now been revealed on the battlefield. December of 1944, just a month later, Kamler's emissaries are meeting with Americans in Lisbon, neutral territory, Portugal, uh, with representatives of the American government and General Electric. Uh, and the, the war is still raging. This is the month where we have the Battle of the Bulge and Kamler's people are meeting with General Electric and the Americans. In January, Kamler signs an order to move the rocket team from its north, north coast location, where it's about to be overtaken by the Soviets down to central Germany, uh, Konstein Mountain. Uh, that's January 45. The, the very next month, the Yalta conference happens. That's the conference at which the allies decide which ally is going to control which part of the German territory. And it turns out the place Kamler just moved the rocket team is going to be in the Soviet zone. So he's been thwarted in his attempt to preserve the rocket team. So he has to sign another order, moving the rocket team a second time in April of 1945 down to Bavaria, um, southern Germany, literally within a week's march of the U.S. Army. There were many places he could have taken this rocket team. But what he ended up doing was putting them on the front porch. Uh, of the American uh, army and its advance. And, and that's what we call the Kamler deal, that sequence of events where he's turning this rocket team over to save his life, to erase his Holocaust past. It's an extraordinary thing, uh, but it really doesn't make sense if you accept the notion that Kamler committed suicide. Why would he make these intricate movements of so many masses of people and equipment if he's just going to walk off in the woods and shoot and kill himself? Um, and the big reveal in, in, in the hidden Nazi is that, of course, he didn't kill himself. He never committed suicide. Ah, that's where I was hoping you were going with that. 
Uh, and now if they're, you're not trying to say he's still alive because he would be about 120 years old right now. But that's correct. As he, I think, hey, was born nineteen oh one. Yeah, yeah. He's not hanging out with Adolf Hitler somewhere down in Argentina right now. Wrapping up our conversation with Dean Reuter. He's the author of the new book, The Hidden Nazi, the untold story of America's deal with the devil. And boy, it sounds like it could have been a deal. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Dean, your book really does make a whole lot of sense if if this is what happened because his crimes, unlike Werner von Braun, his crimes you couldn't run from with what he did there at Auschwitz and the other yeah. SS things there. But his knowledge was so valuable and so necessary because luckily our leaders of this country and even our allies other than Russia knew what the Soviet Union would end up becoming over the Cold War period. And so we had to get a leg up on those guys and having, even though they were enemies just weeks before, having people like this Nazi come in our fold and help our calls out going forward was so important so we're excited about the new book the hidden nazi you got right there let me show everybody right there in your background over dean's right shoulder you'll see the book cover the hidden nazi dean where can we find your book it's on amazon.com barnes and noble all the online outlets have it it's available as you see here in in hardback it's on cd discs it's in audible it's in kindle so you don't even have to leave your house to to order it and i gotta tell you that everything i just mentioned we prove with u.s government documents and they're all laid out they're all laid out in the book i knew you were going to prove it because you're a lawyer let me remind everybody not only are you a lawyer you're a, a fellow with the national security institute at george mason university's antonin scalia law school and also the general counsel of the federalist society for law he knows the law and he knows history and dean reuter has been on with us right now also check out dean on twitter at dean reuter f-e-d-s-o-c and on facebook dean reuter books by the way his last name is r-u-e-t-e-r good german name sehr gut dean reuter here on today's y'all show thank you for coming on and it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you here on the show that's all about the south and a good northern virginian there you go can't get any further south than richmond right good to be with you (laughs) good to be with you very much thank you very much we've got more of today's y'all show headed your way don't miss out don't forget an hour two our takapola storyteller jerry short's going to be on all this right here on the show that covers everything southern and again thank you to all of you who served in world war ii and to all of our great veterans We remember Little Richard, who we lost this past weekend. Coming up in the next segment, our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, is going to weigh in on the loss of this rock and roll legend and Macon, Georgia native. That's coming up. Plus, we'll get Jerry to talk about, oh, all kind of things. It's always fun when our Takapola storyteller makes a visit here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Good to have you back as we start out this second hour. Don't forget, you can text us or call us anytime you feel like it, 803 816 1170 as we try to pick ourselves off the mat from what's been going on the last two months business-wise we start out the headlines of the sports world looking back at the weekend with something coming out of fort worth texas the mayor there is very optimistic that colonial the golf club there 
is going to be able to successfully host the first PGA Tour stop when the PGA Tour gets kicked off here in a couple of weeks. Mayor Betsy Price said that ES on ESPN this past weekend that staff and tournament officials have been in constant contact with the PGA Tour, and they plan to indeed hold the Charles Schwab Challenge there at Colonial June 11th through 14th now there will be proper safety measures in place there 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 will be no crowd they'll be extra careful but it looks like you might have golf back up and going within a month at colonial in fort worth texas and the mayor mayor price very excited about that so we'll hope hope for the best there to get the pga tour again nascar is going to get kicked off or revved up if you will starting this weekend in darlington south carolina Talk Viola news here on today's Y'all Show. This ain't about Tua, the Miami Dolphins, their number one draft pick. No, this is about little brother there. And I've never heard his name pronounced, so I hope I don't butcher it. Tolia? Tolia Tagviola, I think is how his name is. He barely got any playing time. He also was a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. Well, the sophomore quarterback, who was a third stringer behind his older brother, well, he's announced that he's going to enter the transfer portal. He made this decision on Friday, and he is a former four-star prospect, appeared in five games for Nick Saban in 2019. He was 9 of 12 passes for 100 yards, and when his older brother Tua went down with an injury at Mississippi State, this backup quarterback, Tagvola, hardly saw the field. Mac Jones was the second stringer that came in and played behind the redshirt sophomore in Jones and now it looks like Talia Tagvola is going to take his toys and move elsewhere. And it looks like he might, if I had to guess, go to South Florida because, and not the school, but somewhere in that direction. Because remember, his brother is going to be the heir apparent at quarterback for the fish of the NFL. More transfer news coming out of the SEC. Ex-Florida Gator offensive lineman Isaiah Walker has transferred to the Miami Hurricanes. Rival, oh Lord, rival alert, this offensive lineman going to be taking his talent down i-95 he signed with florida in the 2020 recruiting cycle and enrolled in january but has now entered his name in the transfer portal and he was ranked the 121st overall prospect in the most recent recruiting cycle out of miami norland high school in the miami area and again this offensive lineman who signed and has not played for the gators and dan mullen he's going to be now transferring he'll have to sit out i assume I wonder if there'll be some kind of hardship rule with the coronavirus, but it looks like he's going to be missing out on 2019, this offensive lineman for the Gators. And now to the athletic departments of the Southeast, the West Virginia Mountaineers are now the latest athletic program to cut back on funds and money as the athletic department there in Morgantown is now going to be cutting back $3 million and they're asking for a 10% salary reduction for the next fiscal year in an effort to save the athletic department, again, $3 million in response to the pandemic. And the new coach there, well, this will he'll be entering his second year after coming over from Troy, Neil Brown. He's going to get a pay cut as well as Bob Huggins, the basketball coach, and other coaches there for WVU. Coaches and athletic staff earnings more than $100,000 will take a 5% salary reduction and those who have more than that will be getting a 10% reduction. But West Virginia, a Power 5 school out of the Big 12, are going to have some of their money cut back. Huggins and Brown have base salaries of $250,000. Huggins will enter a fourth year of a contract extension that includes a $3.8 million in supplemental compensation. 
while Brown, a former Kentucky Wildcat quarterback, is now in the second year of a contract that has him getting $2.85 million in supplemental compensation. And these two, along with other members of the WV Athletic Department, having to forego some of their money to help save the athletic department of WVU here in this penny pension time, and I guess rightfully so, to try to keep athletic departments and universities all afloat here in this uncertain time. And that is a quick look at some of the headlines from the sports world here from the weekend. When we come back, our Takapola storyteller will be dropping by to talk about the death of Little Richard, also what this means to the icons of rock and roll, and we'll have him talk about his wife, who should be arriving any second right here in the southeast after spending more than two months locked up in the philippines as that country's been shut down because of the pandemic we'll talk to jerry about all that and all of that is coming right up after this break here of the show that's all about the south have you ever wanted to learn a new language like french spanish or russian but thought it would be too difficult and time consuming then go to babble.com and try it for free Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. Language for life. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. And this is the Y'all Show Talk With Us Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. It's time now for Takapola Storytelling Time. And we bring on our friend Jerry Short, of course, each week for Takapola Storytelling Time. And we start out this week, Jerry, going back to, let's say, back in the good old days. Good old days. 50s. Going that far back? Yeah, going back to the 50s because we lost over the weekend Little Richard, the Macon, Georgia native, passing away after a life well lived, a life of rock and roll and more. But first up. And welcome. tutti frutti and all that good stuff. Welcome back into the Y'all Show, Jerry. Well, it's good to be here. I hate to come in on sad news, of, but he had to be getting kind of up in age. I know he's older than Elvis. I'd say, what, 83, 4, 5 or something? He was up there for sure. And we're going to talk about Little Richard. We're also going to talk about Jerry. Somebody brought it up to me on social media, at least, that with the passage of Jerry with the passage of little richard we only scared have, me yeah we only have one rock and roll icon left 
Oh, gosh, if I had to guess, is James Brown still around? No, he's been gone for 20 He's years. been gone. Is, uh, uh, oh, you count the Beatles? No. You got the, Ringo Starr. The original rock and no. rollers. I'm talking about. Bill Haley's dead, surely. I don't even know who that is. He was the first one. Rock Around the Clock. Oh, okay. With Bill Haley. He did was he, from England. Did he die like... He was ahead of Elvis a little bit. Did he die in a crash or no, something? No, I don't think so. No, he didn't. Now, it's Ricky Nelson did, who was hot on the charts for and a long Buddy time. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly and all those guys seemed to get airplanes. and uh, But uh, airplane, bad situations. Let's see. Oh, gosh, I should be able to know that if it was in... One is from the 50s. All of them that live in our part of the country are gone, I think, now. And let's, let's see, B.B. King, that's not rock and roll. He left last year. Uh, no, he's been gone about five years now. Boy, don't tell him get away from <laughs> me. That means I'm older than I thought I know I was. he's been gone about five years because I was living Wait in downtown Wait a minute now, Memphis. I was trying to stay 69. <laughs> when they renamed 3rd Avenue to B.B. King. 3rd Avenue to B.B. King. Now. Which, oddly enough, 3rd Avenue is where Elvis lived on as a boy, the corner of 3rd well, Avenue. Well, he goes and runs into Alabama. Where, right, yeah. but it's at the corner of 3rd and Alabama where Elvis and Alabama's, right. grew up. It's where he grew up in, a, in those apartments over there that were uh, low-income apartments. And my uncle used to come by there and see Elvis sitting out there playing his guitar. He'd tell me about it. You know, as a main drag then when you'd come through Memphis. But uh, I, I may have to dang holler calf rope here. Uh, give me a clue. Well, Jerry, you must be deaf because I essentially just about gave the answer away when I was talking a minute ago. The last rock and roll icon is Jerry Lee Lewis. Well, I'll be a son and of a And not only is he alive, good Lord, he's in your wheelhouse. He lives in North Mississippi. Well, I go by his house all the time. In Nesbitt? Yeah. And, you know, it's on Interstate 55. You just take a right, and he's right up the hill on the right. But uh, Have you ever seen him? Have I seen him? I've met him and talked to him. I mean, have you seen him there on his property? Oh, no. At one time, he moved over to Boonville for a little while, and he had one of his later children going to high school there, who they chauffeured in every day, they really? tell me. and uh, But did I tell you the story? about uh him being fired no um this is how i knew him my accountant in memphis um who was a real good accountant and uh heard him advertising on whpq as a reason that uh i went to him and he did all the uh pro basketball players and did all that kind of stuff well i was there one day this has been in the 90s and uh, i was being audited and i was at gary's office and uh anyway he said uh coming in today is jerry lee lewis you want to meet him and i said yeah so he comes in with that this deal like the hair i had before oh look at that swinging yeah. swinging that hair like that you know and he comes in and shake hands and he's all friendly and nice so i'm back up here about two weeks later and the secretary tells me hey well hold up just a minute before you go in uh it's gonna be a while he's tied up with uh jerry lee lewis so uh i finally jerry lee lewis come out and he didn't speak to me you know i thought he was gonna speak and be nice because we'd talked about five minutes that other time and he went straight by me and out the door and slammed the door and I went in and I asked my accountant, I said, what the heck's wrong with Jerry Lee Lewis? And he said, I just fired him. I said, you, an accountant, have fired Jerry Lee Lewis? What's the situation? And he said, well, you know, the IRS has got him for everything. 
and all he's got to do is do a couple of shows and he's booked in england and he's booked in france and he's booked in places to do some shows we can pay him out and get him out of it and i was telling him that and he he, he said i got plenty of money i don't need to be booking shows right now <laughs> so he what he did jerry Lee lewis pulled his checkbook out and he opened it up and he flipped it back and forth and he said you see all the checks in here and uh the accountant said uh i'm looking at your bank statements and uh you write one of those checks you're probably going to jail for it so uh he said i'm not listening i'm not putting up with your stuff anymore he said you're fired so he fired he fired jerry Lee lewis his accountant did and uh his house came up for sale well, my accountant told me, so why don't you buy it? They was going to bid it. The government was bidding it off. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I looked at it. It was a kind of a ranch-style house up on the hill down at Nesbitt, just out of Memphis in the Mississippi. And so I looked at it, and I told you know, I think I might bid on it. But then as you dug deeper, it gives Jerry Lee Lewis a life estate. Well, we were talking about it, and we said, and this is even in the 90s, you know, Jerry Lee can't live that much longer. I mean, it's no way the lifestyle he lives. It's no way. You buy it, and then he gets a life estate, and then you can use it as a tourism house like Graceland or something. And uh, anyway, I just said, no, nah, the heck with it. The doggone thing sold for $30,000. But Jerry Lee Lewis has had a life estate, and that's really nobody would buy it, I guess. I guess they knew as he was going to live. That's all gone since the 90s. Let's see what twenties live twenty years plus maybe mm-hmm. uh, since since then since he got a life estate isn't that amazing? But he's the one. But when he dies, that place will immediately that be place sold. immediately. No, it, it's it's already been sold. Okay, the person bought it at the bid, but in the contract, Jerry Lee Lewis gets a life estate, meaning he gets to use it and live in it till he dies. So, but when he dies, it goes to the person that bid was a high bidder. And that high bid was only thirty something thousand, thirty four, thirty five thousand dollars, and I kicked myself for many a time for not going up there and trying to go thirty seven thousand or something. But who would have ever dreamed a man would have lived another twenty years? Because he was, he drank, he was crazy, just well, I won't say crazy, Jerry Lee, but uh, I don't want you coming after me. But uh, anyway, he he he's the last one. That's something in it. Well, Jerry Short is our Takapola storyteller. We have actually a statement from Jerry Lee Lewis about the passage of Little Richard. It is with a heavy heart that I ask for prayers for the family of my lifelong friend and fellow rocker, Little Richard. He will always live on in my heart and with his amazing talent and his friendship. He was one of a kind, and I will miss him dearly. God bless his family and friends. Rest in peace, my friend. Love eternally. Jerry Lee Lewis. Now, somebody, someone wrote that for him. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I don't believe he. You don't think I, the killer believe, is a good wordsmith? I, I don't think. You know, I've been on his street. He's from Faraday, Louisiana, discovered in Natchez, Mississippi, across the river. And uh, he, his, uh, his, you know who his cousins are, don't you? Mickey Gilly and Jimmy Swagger. Uh, you got it, son. And they got all three streets named after him in Faraday. Last time I was on him in Faraday, Louisiana, all three of them were gravel, and so they were just little gravel streets going up to the, uh, going out towards the river, and then you turn and you went back into Faraday and across the river at Natchez. But uh, anyway, he uh, he had some good relatives, I guess, 
they're all kicking and rocking. I, as, I guess uh, Mickey Gill is still going, right? Oh, he's going. Okay. I don't I know, know how much he's going, but he's definitely How going. Jimmy Swagger came back, now I'll never know. But if you notice, he's got a pretty good voice, too. He'll sing those religion songs and make them cry. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's interesting. Well, Jerry Jerry Short is again with us, our Takapolo storyteller. And Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis, just like you, has had to put up with a lot here the last six weeks with a quarantine. Oh, man. Don't you know he's rocking and rolling? And, and we just heard his statement about the passage of Little Richard, but I guess out of boredom or just the idea of reaching out to his fan base the other day jerry lee put out something on social media and we're going to play it for you it's jerry lee his seventh wife and one of their canine americans having fun on the front porch not a cousin not 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 a cousin i don't think okay here's a little bit of that from social media jerry lee lewis josh he's actually proven jerry short that he's still with us and, yeah, you can just sit here and kick yourself even more that that $37,000. Oh, he's got a club on B.B. Uh, <laughs> King and third. Yeah. You know. He's still going strong. In fact, this is how he's been getting through the pandemic here lately. Here's Jerry Lee, the killer. We're coming from y- to y'all live from Shangri-La. Ladies and gentlemen, the killer and his baby girl, little Judith. Say, hey, little Judith. Hello, baby. Uh, Little Jerry Lee is pouting, so he'll be out shortly. We just wanted to say hello again. Who are we talking to? Facebook friends. Facebook friends? Yeah. Oh, hello, Facebook friends. Yeah. This is uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. I'm out here playing with my dogs. And uh, got little Judas down here rubbing on her. There she is. She's in heaven. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we, uh, well, I'm uh, watching the virus go by. <laughs> and uh, and we're hoping the virus goes way on by. Yeah, I'll bet it goes up into the clouds. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to bother us anyway. What you mean for that? And it don't bother us anyway. But anyway, y'all take care of yourself, and we love you, and we'll be talking to y'all as soon as we get a chance. We're just kind of taking it easy. and We well, have to take a chance now. Yeah. All we do is cook, eat, and cook, and watch TV, and play games, and... She takes a chance just living with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I love you. I know you do. Okie dokie. I mean, to get a kiss like that, I have to call my Facebook fans. <laughs> <laughs> y'all heard that. Talk to y'all later. We love you. I love you. Okay. I need you. Yeah. I got to make it without you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, there's some fun courtesy of the killer, Jerry Lee Lewis, here on the Y'all Show, right there on his front porch in Nesbitt, Mississippi, and his seventh wife there, as well as his latest addition to the family, a dog. It sounds like they got quite a few dogs there at, I think, what he calls Shangri-La. Did you know that that place had a nickname? Yeah, I I thought it was was Shangri-La, but it's probably had to change it over the years yeah. you know it's the time he run through elvis's gates and with a gun and, yeah i read about that tell yeah. me more about that particular well, jerry lee i think he had been uh over at the vapors club 
and everybody was bragging. That's a club on Brooks Road in Memphis, and that, that's where they did the Elvis impersonators later after Elvis died. Anyway. But but this was before this. This was like in seventy four, maybe or something like that. And uh, he drove over to, uh, uh, according to legend, he drove over to uh, Elvis Presley Boulevard. Went to the gate where Uncle Vester. He was always at the gatehouse because I used to go talk to him down there a lot. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, he he came up and he whole uh, he asked Uncle Vester was Elvis at home? Well, Elvis was, but he said, "Well, you can't get in now when you know we're not taking visitors." It's probably one of those times when he was asleep, uh, and uh, so anyway, he backed his car up supposedly and hit those gates with uh, Elvis. <laughs> With with Elvis playing the guitar, those notes, musical note gate, he hit that thing and he had a gun and uh, Elvis didn't press charges. The law came and uh, what did he do with the gun? Um, they they probably just confiscated. Oh, you, you, he didn't pull the gun out. No, it was in his car. Okay, but he, you know, everybody said he's going up there to kill Elvis because in his statement was, if I'm, I could be wrong, but I remember it's in the paper, something to the point of. I am sick and tired of Elvis getting all the good publicity, and I'm only getting bad publicity. <laughs> and it's not a bit. He says, I gave him the kingship when I married my cousin, or I would have been the king of rock and roll. And so it wouldn't have been Elvis. That's what Jerry Lee said. So uh, anyway, that's all according to. Well, Jerry Lee has had more than 43 years now of undisputed time to take back the mantle take back the lead, right? of being the king of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And and to his credit, he's had success. He went on and had great success in the 1980s in country music with songs like What Made Milwaukee Famous and more. So he, he's, yeah. he's morphed and he's still out there going when he's able to. He had a light stroke in 2019. And as you could see in that video, He's he's hanging in there. He's not at maybe batting a thousand right now, but he's still going strong. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess he took that accountant's advice and went to work and made some money and put something in that checkbook. Eighty-four years young is eighty-four. How, is how old yeah, Jerry Lee? He is close. roughly a year younger than Elvis. Elvis born in thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so he's a year younger than Elvis. Yeah. A year younger than Elvis. It seems like they kind of all came along at the same time. You know, just Elvis just kind of got out in front a little bit because of his looks, if nothing else. Sure. And I want to go back here. We were bringing up Jerry Lee Lewis today because of the death of Little Richard. What memories do you have of Little Richard in the 1950s, Jerry? Short. Uh, well, you think of Tutti Frutti and all those songs that he came out with. and uh, Do you remember when they were hot on the records? Oh, gosh, on the yeah. chart? Yeah, they were hot. And, uh you know, then they would be on Dick Clark, you know, American Bandstand. That's where they would play him. And then you'd see he'd come out hollering, you know, wish I could do like he would do, but he would come out, oh, yeah, 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 you know, and cut up. And uh, obviously, you remember, I've told the story, I got kicked out of the band mm-hmm. for, for being tone deaf. So that's as good as I can do. But, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, you remember Little Richard more than you remember james brown and that crowd really you do i don't know why it is but uh you know and of course everybody remembers elvis he was in movies and stuff and then they would have back in those days they would have movies at the theater would have all the entertainers they might just have a song or two 
but you know like he would be at the theater in a in a movie might be rock around the clock with bill haley and then they'd all come on and take their take their shot at uh whatever entertainment they had so yeah, yeah. jerry i have a question got it you grew up in the 1950s in mississippi right which has a reputation for not being the best place for black folks in, right. in that time period yeah you're right you're a white boy growing up in the 1950s right. in a place like mississippi right was it okay to buy a little richard record was My, it okay to be a fan of little richard no one ever said a thing i sometimes you know this stuff is just downplayed and played it's 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 a lot of fallacy in what people believe about the south about about mississippi I had a black boy save my life. I was down at the cotton field and got uh, went over to wash some axle grease off of my hands, fell off in the doggone uh, creek bank at Tacopola, and uh, and Jaybird, as we called him, he was a little bit older than all of us, could swim good, and he'd come in and save my life. And uh, I had a nanny that uh, worked on the farm, too. You know, we had a lot of tenant houses. And sharecropper type situations, and they all worked there. Then that nanny, I'll never forget. Every time I'd go over when I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, she said, "I can remember bouncing you on on my knee every time, and I took care of you." And you know, we had a maid that I'd go to her house. She'd make uh, yeast rolls, and I'd pick up a whole dog gun dozen of them and bring them home and. When I had hepatitis and was quarantined that time, she was the only one that would come to the house, and she would come and fix me whatever boiled chicken breast without skin or whatever, you know, I, I could have, broth or whatever. But it didn't bother uh, her at all. And uh, she was uh, – I don't think – you know, if we had an incident or two, they would blow them so much out of proportion. You're talking about Mississippi or, Mississippi, or the spe- entire South? Well, Mississippi was a little bit tougher than the rest of the South, and I don't know why that was. It might have been because of numbers. Mm-hmm. It might have been because of anything. But uh, we, the Emmett Till thing is really kind of what uh, happened in Mississippi that uh, caused Mississippi to get that reputation. And then they had the old Miss Wright which that brought in a lot of publicity in. That was in 62. That was in 62. And, uh, you know, things were starting to change about that time as far as civil rights uh, legislation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, looking back, um, and like I said, my daddy was a town marshal, and he did, uh, he took me when I was five years old with him to uh, arrest some blacks that had stole some chickens. And my mama didn't want him to, and he put me in the pickup. And I'm standing up five years old, and uh, he catches it. He deputized a couple when he went through town, about four or five men. They went and caught them, and what they did, it's not right. Today it would be cruel, but at the time it worked, and the people he did it to, I'm sure, were would rather had that than the other justice at Parchman Penitentiary. But for stealing, but uh, he cut some sugar oh, sugar cane. He cut some river cane, and just give them a whipping on the bank of the creek, and then he told them justice served, move on. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, and but didn't, nobody got didn't mad. Ar- didn't arrest them or anything. No. Do you think uh, they did it? 
uh, oh yeah, they did it. They had to confess. I heard them confessing, okay. and you know, and uh, they knew who did it. The uh, the guy wasn't too far from his house. They had some chickens that they had to turn loose. They had them by the had them by the feet, and they was carrying them across the creek. And uh, so they turned chickens loose, and he had them real quick, you know. So it uh, it, it was one of those situations, I think, where. Obviously, we got a we got that name of Mississippi. If you could break Mississippi, you could break uh, segregation, and that's what happened, and that's how it was played out. But no, John, I, I you know you just didn't. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie. It was filmed in Greenwood uh, about the maids and all, and how they treated them. You remember the movie? And, I uh, do. Came out just a few years yeah. ago. And uh, Emma Stone is in yeah, that movie. Yeah, and that, you know, that was how it was. But none of them had the uniforms unless you was using a going to a real exclusive neighborhood or something like that. And uh, so, you know, that was kind of the way life was. And and all the all the black people that I knew, none of them held any grudges or anything like that. It was all pretty up front because they they worked for us. We were pretty straight with them. And it changed more in the 70s. Did it? I think that's when we got divided. It's like we weren't divided. It used to say a long time ago that, uh, you know, as a group, we had a problem with uh, blacks and whites. But individually, we were best friends. And that's kind of how it really was. Mm-hmm. Because you'd trust them, they'd trust you. And I didn't, you know, don't get into all this kind of civil rights movement stuff. Well, well, our original question asked in the heat of the 1950s, when things were just starting to really heat up from a civil rights standpoint, you as a roughly 10 year old kid, if you had to come home with a little Richard record, your daddy and your family would have been okay with that? Oh, sure. I mean, we didn't think anything about anything like that because we all lived together and we worked together. And I'm sure during the Depression, we were all on the same footing. Okay. And then you go on and, you know, the only difference was that we owned the land. So we were able to develop the land where they were in the sharecropper's house. You know, so we shared the crop and then uh, hence the name. But uh, it... um, if you needed somebody to work for you, you knew which ones to get. Now, you would have some troublemakers, but you had some troublemakers in the Caucasian race also. And I uh, can tell plenty of stories about those people. So uh, we'll it's all about even. One of these days. Mm-hmm. Jerry, we got one more segment left with you. We'll switch over from talking about, oh, little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis, the killer. We'll have some other good stuff coming from our Takapola storyteller and that conversation with Jerry is going to be coming up right after this. Stay where you are. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table... Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. (sighs) For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it would be too difficult? Then try Babbel. Babbel starts by teaching you words and phrases that gradually get more complex. 
soon, you're practicing short conversations. So in 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking a new language in a few weeks. Babbel is built around real life. It teaches you practical conversations that you will actually use. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Do you have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keeps coming back? Take the five-question gut check to see if it could be more than occasional constipation. It could be irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess is not a laxative. It works differently. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor about whether Linzess is right for you. Go to Linzess.com to take the five-question gut check. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Our website is y'all.com. It is the ultimate guide to the South. Make sure you go there right now and find out all kind of stuff about your region, the South, the area that we love oh so much. We've got all kind of fun stuff at y'all. And right here on the Y'all Show and at y'all.com this week, we've got fantastic interviews headed your way. In fact, join us on Thursday as the Alabama Mountain Lakes will be featured big time here on the Y'all Show. We'll go to North Alabama and we'll have a visit all across that area that's on the north end of Alabama, stretching from the Mississippi line all the way to the Georgia line. And it's our spotlight of Alabama Mountain Lakes and North Alabama. And it'll be our virtual spring swing tour stop on Thursday, our third stop of this spring, and we're excited to bring that to you with plenty of good information. In fact, one of the places we'll be going to, our Takapola storyteller Jerry Short's on with us right now, a place that I'm sure you've stopped by at least once in your life, and i got to get your once or twice, is Unclaimed Baggage in Scottsboro, Alabama. Alabama. Have you been there? Been there. Tell me, what you what you think about unclaimed baggage? Well, it's pretty good if you get the right aircraft that uh, <laughs> they got it off of. Some of it won't be so good. Some of it will be beat up. But you can find some stuff there, that's some luggage especially. It's leather luggage. It's just top of the line. How does it get there? It gets there when they hold it so long. The, the airlines, they hold it so long over a certain period of time, then they buy it. And uh, they sell it. And they sell it at a profit. Is it is is it stuff that was in the luggage? Is, no, it could be the whole deal. It's almost okay. like opening up one of those uh, okay uh, 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 storage shed bins that they okay. pay to say I'm on open number nine. If you'll give me okay fifty thousand dollars, but uh, you go ahead. Now they've gone through it. I'm sure. When this luggage, when yeah, you'd, that, you'd hate to buy yeah, uh, at a discount yeah. a piece of luggage and turned out it's got 
cocaine yeah, loaded up. They might in have it. something in the liner. You never know. <laughs> you better cut that liner open and see if it's a thousand uh, dollar bill in there. So you've had success at unclaimed baggage, Scottsboro, Alabama. Yeah, I bought. As a matter of fact, I did. I bought. Uh, Back when I uh, needed a belt, <laughs> I bought a few, de- a couple of leather belts, and uh, bought some uh, ten- tennis shoes over there one time too. Yeah, and, and those tennis shoes belonged to somebody. They else. belonged to somebody, but they were my size, and they were uh, the kind that I wear. And uh, New Balance, New we Balance, I was, yes, I was, here that's on the right. Show. That's the only kind I wear. And uh, so I said. And they looked like they'd never been worn. Somebody may have taken them on a vacation, and he may have wore his sandals on the beach or something. So uh, I bought those, and then I bought some luggage. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good place. I'd recommend it for anybody if you was getting ready to take a big trip somewhere if the airlines ever open back up. Well, speaking of that, it's a perfect segue, Jerry. We actually hopefully will have an update, a good update, within hours from you and the Short family Ooh. as you're hoping to get some unclaimed baggage so to speak your wife after two months being stranded in the philippines she may actually be en route to the good old south right now what's the latest with sonya's journey back from the philippines i don't know can you do like hee-haw and put like across your mouth censored where you said un- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where you said baggage <laughs> but uh well um she's really lucky she by the way back in march her brother passed away she flew to the philippines for a funeral they stretch funerals out over several weeks there Mm -hmm. and just when this pandemic stuff was breaking she went to the philippines and should have got back almost two months ago but her leader of the philippines dirty harry dirty harry shut everything down so what where do we stand now jerry well after dirty harry shut down in uh in country flights you couldn't get to manila if you don't go to manila you can't uh well at cebu you can fly uh internationally a little bit but uh manila to get flights connections anywhere in the country you need to go to manila so uh they couldn't fly in country they were locked down at their house they had to have a pass to get out on the street even only one pass per household and then they had checkpoints all over town so sonia uh had uh worked for the government over there and she had her own radio show and it was called good morning philippines and uh so she did that so she's pretty well connected you know she had a networking system going and she stayed on the doggone internet the whole time and they'd built a house for a mother and then they'd added on to it and built it up and so they had a they had a good place to stay where they didn't have to have a hotel or anything that you'd had that extra expense but they didn't have any food or anything that you know philippine government gave them nothing and uh which you know they had they had enough to cover it but uh anyway she finally had three flights canceled to manila that she thought they had one they call them sweeper flights when another country will bring them in and then you'll fly on those up to manila mm-hmm. so australia did that and so did england well, she tried to get on both of those and couldn't get on them because um, she was not an Australian and she was not not uh, a British person. So uh, uh, American Embassy hadn't done anything to try to get any. Well, she she talked a lot to a friend of hers. It was over tourism in that Providence down there. I think it's like nine or ten provinces in the Philippines. And, 
they're pretty just a lot of people it was three thousand people that my wife was talking to that were stranded in a situation like hers most of them were paying hotel bills and stuff like that she managed to she got word that she got a manifest that she was on a flight and uh it just one day's notice and you have to have all this paperwork and all this stuff. So she had to go all over the all over that area of uh, Elu City, getting all that stuff together to get through these checkpoints. And they need to get through safety. And you know, you got to show them because someone was actually shot at a, a checkpoint in uh, Manila for getting a little bit uh, out of hand. Gosh. And so uh, she got to Manila. But to get there, you also had to have a hotel room reservation. So that went through the Philippine Tourism Commission. And uh, it was at, of all places, it was at the Hilton, the highest price one probably in Manila, which was right there next to the airport. So um, she didn't get out that day. They had to spend the night. And she got out today at 12 o'clock going to South Korea. Congratulations. And so... She lands at South Korea, our time. They're 13 hours difference. She lands there ahead of us, you know, that much ahead of us. The, she lands over there at uh, 5 o'clock today. And uh, ho- so hopefully she will. Um, Within 24 hours, she'll yeah, be right she here in should, the good old U.S. She should be in uh, Memphis, uh, she says, by uh, Monday. Okay. So that's uh, not bad. That's today. Yes. So. Uh, that all works really good, and, and she's really lucky because, like I said, there was only 42 people on that uh, flight, that uh, Philippine Airlines flight from Elu up to Manila, and uh, that was 3,000 people that are still stuck in that Providence alone that can't get out of country. So uh, those people were American citizens, they're American or? nationalists, or something okay. of that nature. It said, and I saw the uh, printout that they have to show at the checkpoints, mm-hmm. and they had to be checked, and then they had to be tested, and all this. So, and then they had the same thing that had to happen in uh, Manila. So, I, you know, I was getting concerned that they wasn't going to let them out. They, the rest of the people too, are getting a little bit concerned that are left that um, they're going to have another lockdown. And this one could be for another month. So uh, we didn't think she was going to get out to the end of May. But uh, sometimes it's who you know and and uh, you know how that works. And well, we're happy for you. And I know it's been a long two months for you. And you're not the only one that's had family that's been stuck overseas somewhere. As the president, I know, has talked about bringing these people back because in your wife's case, she is an American, not necessarily citizen, but she's as close as you can be. And without having the chance to take her citizenship oath, she would be a citizen right now. That's all she likes. So hopefully everybody who has extended relatives or loved ones somewhere, we hopefully will get those back here. The problem, Jerry, is Uh after two months of being a lone wolf, and living by yourself, your wife's coming back. Is she going to find a clean house? Well, that was something that I am probably going to be up all night cleaning the house. And uh, so, if I, you know, I've washed the dishes. I've done that much. But I tried to use them as paper plates as I could. But uh, I, I wanted to throw in there a while ago, too, that uh, on these flights, they've tripled the prices. Have they? Yeah. And, you know, we say over here, in a disaster or an emergency, 
you can't raise the price against the law. And uh, but there on this flight, round trip to the Philippines and back uh, was twelve hundred dollars, and now it is like twenty five hundred one way. Mm. And then the hotel room you had to get, they jacked it up. Then the flight from uh, Elu City up to Manila, they triple that price what it normally is round trip. Just one way. So, you know, the thing got really expensive, and it's eating some people up. I know one family that's uh, trapped in uh, in Tokyo, and I don't know why they can't get out of Tokyo, but they've been in a hotel and been stuck there now for um, about a month using hotel and uh, restaurants. So whatever kind of restaurant uh, they let you do there, you know, they may be kind of – Maybe they're like Tennessee, at least you can go in or get something to go for sure. It's been a disaster all over the world for sure. And when your wife does get back, Jerry, we're going to say goodbye to you because you and your wife have to go into a forced 14-day quarantine. You know, I'm wondering about me on that. Just, uh, <laughs> somebody's got it. I've, I've bought groceries. I went grocery shopping Excuse me, yesterday and uh, carried my neighbor, a lady 94 years old. And so we took our... T- we took our time shopping, but uh, I got the stuff she asked for, hmm. and she was kind of getting – she's wanting some good southern cooking, I'm going to tell you, hmm. and even though uh, she's been eating lots of fish and rice over there, I'm sure, because they do that for breakfast. But uh, we went shopping yesterday, and I've got the cabinets where they may pull loose from the walls. I've put so many cans of stuff in there, hmm. you know. I've been kind of doing it for the last three or four weeks to get caught up and it caught me off balance that she got out so quick uh day before yesterday so i uh, i still loaded up some more stuff and i loaded up some perishables too so well, don't forget about cleaning you better get that bathroom spick and span i kind of did the tub yesterday <laughs> but uh and i kind of did the laboratory so uh i've got to do some mopping oh lord and i got to do a little washing and drying so, uh, but one good thing about it, the, the house that I'm using now that I bought to s- fix and sell, it's got about 3,000 square feet in it. And I probably haven't used 200 square feet of it. So I think I can go with a dust rag over the rest of it and have it okay. Well, we wish you the best and congratulations on getting Mrs. Short back here in our region. That's our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. Jerry, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Yeah, put that hat on. Thank you, man. We say goodbye to you, and we'll talk to you next week when you're quarantined. Oh, mercy, it works. All right. We'll see you. All right, Jerry Short, everybody. And that will wrap up our Y'all Show here for this Monday. We'll be right back here with another exciting episode of the Y'all Show tomorrow. Don't forget that you can find us on the web at y'all.com, the ultimate guide to the South. Until that time, thank you for listening and for being a part of the show that's all about the South. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. 
Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. Language for life. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. A social distancing tip. Keeping your distance from others is important in slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are some fun things to do alone. Read a book. Take a walk. Unpack your suitcase from that trip you took last September. Paint a self-portrait. Catch up on a TV series. Do a puzzle. Remember, we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council.